If you're ready to confront your destiny, if this is the moment that you've been praying for, tune in and listen to your cosmic cheerleader, Commander Lady Athena, for cosmic pep talks, for closet Christ. The show is the voice of the Ashtar Command. The call is for you to step forward into your greatness. Be listening on Wednesday. We have an appointment with destiny. Greetings in the love of the Supreme Self. That is all that is. I'm Commander Lady Athena, and you're listening to the voice of the Ashtar Command. Cosmic Pep Talks for Closet Christ. This evening, our seminar topic is Uncovering the Natural Clear Mind. So if you're ready, let's take a deep, cleansing breath. And release all thoughts, all tensions in the body, all concerns that may have cluttered your clear and pristine divine mind. Let's take another deep breath and relax and release. And one more deep breath. This time integrate the Atma Jyoti, the soul light that is your true divine luminosity. Deep breath. And just consider for a moment that you are divine luminosity, divine radiance. You are the very light of conscious life itself. You are the very conscience that is conscious and aware. You are the listener. You are the observer. And you're also that which is observed. Whatever you see, you but look upon an image that your mind has made. You are the awakened one. You are the knowing one. There is no place where you are not. Uncovering the natural clear mind. Last week we did a meditation of the Atma Jyoti, the divine flame of the soul, the spirit, the Atma, over your head. And we brought it down to the levels of the mind and into the physical brain and physical body. So what does that mind look like when it has been illumined by the atmic light? That's what we're going to look at this evening and perhaps experience. Let's start with a meditation, if you like. Let's envision ourselves on a beautiful summer day. The weather is very pleasant. It's late afternoon. And there's not a cloud in the sky. Just deep, vast blue. Let's find a comfortable place to recline on the grass 
Let's lie down on our back. And just relax. We've all done this as a child. Remember the times you used to lie on your back and try to make out the figures in the clouds? Maybe pretend like you were flying. This is a very good meditation to experience yourself in the vastness. So today, there are no clouds. There's only a vast expanse of deep blue sky. Look at the sky. Put your full attention on that depth of blue vastness. Allow everything else to fall away. Feel yourself rising into that vastness. Merging with it. Expanding with it. Leaving all thoughts of any objects aside, allowing all thoughts to dissolve into the vast blueness of the sky. Become the sky. That's it. Now take another deep breath and return to present moment awareness in the room that you're sitting in or wherever you are. And when you have time, and I would suggest you make time for this, Practice sky merging. Or when I did it, I entered into the state of clear mind. The Buddhists call it Rigpa. A clear mind. Sometimes it's referred to as uh, the Buddha mind, the mind that was in Christ Jesus, the mind merged with the Atma Jyoti, the illumined mind. But in truth, it's the natural mind, unadorned. So we're uncovering the natural, clear mind. that resides beyond all of the cluttering and conditioning and thoughts and concepts and Durgunas, obscurations, bad qualities that have covered its clarity. So the natural mind is absorbed in stillness. It is serene, unagitated. Unagitated. Imagine, if you will, a pellucid, clear, still lake. 
you know those lakes that are so clear you can look right down and see the rocks and the fish in the bottom? Like that. But if you agitate it with your hand or a stick, then you can't see. And so the Manasa Sarovar Lake in India is often used as a metaphor for that clear, lucid lake of the mind. When the mind is clear, it reflects the buddhi, the soul awareness, like the moon reflected upon the still lake. The natural mind is quiet, present, silent, empty of thoughts, concepts, evaluating and interpreting. The natural mind is wholly immersed in bliss, like a bee quaffing nectar. The mind is emptiness, spaciousness, vastness, presence, divine eminence. This is the natural, naked, normal mind. So who has such a mind? One who has awakened and realized the true self. So the natural mind is the fruit of total self-acceptance and self-realization. You have to start with the acceptance of the self that is. Who you are, what you are, how you are. Right now, you come to accept it. You come to accept your life. What is, what's present, what's happening. As it is. And as you do that, you remove major impediments self-realization. So it's the mind that decides the quality of the life that we're living, whether it's heaven or hell or kind of no man's land in between. It all depends on the mind, what we feed the mind, what we nurture in the mind, what we cultivate in the mind. Everything depends on the state of the mind. So that's why we're putting a great deal of emphasis gradually in training the mind how to be aligned perfectly with the divine self. So only that self and its wisdom presents through your body-mind instrument. So this is the mind of one who is at peace with what is, with what comes, with what goes, with whatever happens. It may be the mind of some of you listening. I sure hope so. Though perhaps you've not recognized it as such or as spiritually significant. Perhaps because, no, it's it's so effortless. When you're in that state, it's so effortless, so natural, so uncontrived. However, for most of the people on this planet, the mind is more like a cage of crazed monkeys on steroids. <laughs> We all know that one. Why is it? I would say primarily because most people are resisting and fighting the way things are happening in their lives, in the world, in their relationships. I mean, they want things to be different. 
than they are. But the truth is, things simply are the way they are until they're not. (laughs) So you might as well stand in the middle of the ocean and shout at the waves and tell them to be still. Or tell a panting dog to stop panting. Because that's how futile it is to fight and resist what is. But most people are angry because they believe they are victims of outer forces that are controlling them. Here you have the whole conspiracy agenda, right? I'm not saying that those games aren't being played out in time, space, and in the dream fields, because they are, obviously. But I'm talking about awakening beyond dream time, beyond the Maya of all of these scenarios that are running. One of them is creating outer demons, (laughs) outer forces, outer evildoers of some sort that you're then victimized by, which, spiritually speaking, from an enlightened state, is absolutely impossible. You can only meet yourself. And the things that you have created and peopled your inner universe, your inner mind, your inner thoughts, your inner uh, state of being with, so people are miserable Because they're fighting against life. The life that they, in fact, have created, allowed, promoted, requested, signed up for, and invented. How do you do that? Well, as soul, you're here to have experience, all kinds of experience. And you're here in a world governed by certain laws that pertain to moving within the realm of duality and polarization for the purpose of catalyzing new momentums of awareness. You have to have the friction between the pairs of opposites for any kind of movement and growth at this level. That's why you have to have what's going on in your life because that's what you have requested to take your next step very important to realize the purpose of of entering a planet governed by cause and effect and polarized points of view. Very important. This is the staging ground for complete return to the unified self. It's the only planet in our solar system through which you can catapult directly to godhood. You can't do it from any other planet or any other dimension but the third physical dimension. Because only on the third dimension, in the physical body, are all of your seven-dimensional aspects aligned as one. That's how important it is. And another thing that you may not be aware of is giving money is the only way physically in this particular life uh, dimension of reality, you might call it, that you can give of all of your energies at the same time because it took blood, sweat, tears, effort on your part Make that money. So when you give, when you bestow that as an act of charity or in tithing or in giving or in exchange, you're giving the whole of your being in the only way you can do it in a physical body on Earth. Earth is a third-dimensional planet and is governed by the third ray of intelligent activity. And so intelligent activity is rewarded on this planet 
by a substance that is of the third ray, which is money. So the struggle here on a material level is to make the wherewithal so that we can make the most money. But when we don't use it in a way that's spiritually aware, we get into trouble and then we fall prey to all of the games that the ego runs that makes most people absolutely miserable in their present life. So when people see no way to escape, they resort to all kinds of substances, addictive patterns and habits to numb out, dumb down, and escape. But escape from what? Essentially themselves, their own mind, and the thoughts that run around like so many crazy ferrets. They want, they demand that things change to suit them, to be different than they are. How can things be different than they are? They are what they are until they're not. When is that? When you decide to change the thoughts and the way you look at things. It's all what you do in your mind. But people that are in that stage of spiritual sleep are fighting imaginary demons of their own invention. They may look like normal people walking around doing the usual things, but they are really asleep, and spiritually they're dead to real life. They're the walking dead. This is a zombie apocalypse. And they're so insecure and ill at ease with their own thoughts, their own presence, their own being, that they have to have some gadget stuck in their ear all the time, so they're in contact through some media and texting and all of that because they can't bear a moment with themselves. And this is, this is the insanity in which most people live right now. And so many of our young people are getting entrained in this. Because they don't know who they are. They don't know what they are. They don't know why they are. And I think they're spiritually not hungry enough to make the effort to really find out for themselves. Because we all have the ability to Google, to read, to search travel around the world and find people who are awake. We all have the freedom to explore, investigate, think, search, and find the answers. So really there's no excuse for this lazy giving in to a miserable life. Life is designed to be Adventuresome, full of vitality, rich with experience. But you know, it's, it's, it's really all in the way you look at it. It's all in the way we narrate the story of what's happening that makes it either for us or against us. For example, say you lose your job and it's not because you're a faulty workman who has done shoddy work or been a slacker and has not applied themselves. But let's just say you did your very best to really put all of it into the work and you got fired. Well, you can trust that you have completed that lesson or assignment and it's time for what Spirit has prepared for you next. 
That's the way many think that are awakened. Oh, I'm finished here. Okay. Good. Spirit will never keep you in a place that you've outgrown. Ever. Just when you think you're at the top of your game, the game shifts and you're off to something else. You're never allowed to stay at the pinnacle for very long because from the pinnacle, you're going to see a higher mountain peak, but to get to it, you have to go down to the valley and ascend that next higher peak. That's just the way it is here. In this particular dimensional earth school, that's the way it's designed. Why fight it? Make it work for you. So the same thing applies when your significant other, for whatever reason, leaves you. Your time and season together has been completed, and it's time to move on. Get over it. Everything is temporary here. Every experience is for that moment and that moment alone. And then it's next. You can't go back to that that former experience. It is no more. You can't try to recreate it in the future. That's frustration because it's going to be different. Why would you want to repeat the same thing? You see, these things are illogical, but we don't stop to think logically at all. We're more often to blame our circumstances on someone and bitch and moan and complain and sit on our pity pot rather than realizing your life is always working for you, not against you. But it's designed to make you a master, to make you a master creator, to make you a divine creator. But if you can't manage one single simple human life and live it to excellence and proficiency, then how are you going to master anything beyond that? So practicality is to make your life work for you. Make your life work for you. Make it something beautiful. And always win in your narrative when you talk about it. Don't tell your victim story. Tell your overcoming narrative of how the situation in your life is unfolding a greater understanding, a greater awareness, a greater ability and strength. The worst thing that can befall a person is a boring, mundane life that doesn't offer you any challenge. That (laughs) is unfortunate. But maybe you're in a rest period. You know, sometimes we'll have a life after one or two or several very vigorous lives in which we get a little bit of a calm and placid and uneventful life. But I don't think that applies to anyone that's listening to these seminars or that's on Earth right now because there's there's this is the crunch time with a major shift in consciousness to a higher dimensional level of the earth and the collective consciousness itself. So this has got to be a pivotal, incredibly important life because it's the first time we've had three major cycles ending at the same time. 26,000 year cycle, 3,500 year cycle, and 2,500 year cycle, all ending at the same time. Wow. So if you pay attention, there's always subtle signs in spirit indicating it's time to move on. One of the big ones is suddenly you don't have the same enthusiasm. You don't have the same fire. Because when God is in the mix, there's always enthusiasm. There's always inspiration. There's vitality. There's life. And there's a support that flows you. 
when these energies back off, you're finished there. Whether it's a relationship or a job or where you're involved, whatever it is, when the energy backs off and you're not feeling that support coming up from within you, take a look. Pay attention. Spirit's trying to show you something. So the idea is not to maintain what is, but to keep outgrowing and expanding beyond where you've been. So spirit always supplies energy, enthusiasm, inspiration, vitality, wherever you are meant to participate. That's how you can tell you're meant to participate. You may not have the skills to going into that job. But if spirit has placed you there, spirit will empower and supply you with whatever it is you need to fulfill that job. So always go where the life is, where there's vitality, where the energy is flowing. Most of all, go to where the loving is. For wherever the love is manifesting, there is a sure sign that divine spirit is present in that place, that job, that relationship, that group, that organization. The loving is the presence of the beloved. So to be anywhere, this is a principle for bilocation. To be anywhere you want to be, you simply have to be there 100% body, mind, spirit, imagination, total involvement, total focus, and you will manifest there. I told you several times that I've uh, I manifested, I bilocated physically to Sai Baba's ashram. And it was such a shock, I went, oh my gosh, and shot right back into my body. <laughs> so don't do that. If you bilocate, don't go, oh wow. <laughs> just let, Just be cool with it. <laughs> Anyway, I don't mean to segue all over the place, but I want to talk about the clear mind. <clears throat> okay, here's how you experience the clear mind. When you awaken in the morning, you, you've just opened your eyes. That instant when you don't know who you are, where you are, what is, your mind is completely a blank. You're just isness. <laughs> You're just existence itself. That second or two before the senses become fully engaged, and with the senses, the mind starts to think. Before that happens, note, just note the state of absolute clear mind. Absolute clear mind. The minute the senses start to get engaged, it's natural then that the mind and the thinking begins to take place. Just observe that. There are so many mornings I awaken in that state and I have no idea 
where I am. There's no thoughts at all. So just pay attention. Also, if you're coming out of a deep, deep, deep meditation, samadhi state, full absorption in the divine, notice that when you come out of that, before the mind starts thinking. That's that clear mind state. Now, through many, 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 many years, I've gotten myself to the place that I stay pretty much in that state all the time. But I didn't realize that's what it was until, oh gosh, maybe a few years back. I realized that I don't think. I have a really good mind, but it's, I'm not constantly running commentary and critiquing on the things that pass before my vision. Somebody might ask me, well, what did you see in such and such? What's your impression or what is your opinion? And I'll say, well, I wasn't making any. I was just present, observing. I wasn't trying to form any thoughts about that or any critiquing about that or I wasn't trying to do anything or see anything or, or make anything of that. I was just observing it. Now, I think a lot of you can probably relate to that. It doesn't sound real spiritual. I mean, just to watch life like a parade without the need to do anything about that or with that. You're just watching the parade. It's called the Shakshi or the divine witnessing consciousness, witnessing awareness, the observer. You know, we make all these names up and then we think it's hard. It's, it's like a hard thing to do. How hard is it to simply watch a show without trying to do anything about it? How hard is it to simple, simply people watch, which I think a lot of us like to do, without evaluating and judging what you're watching? This is the clear mind, you see. That's just present as awareness. The ego, on the other hand, is always running a critiquing narrative within the mind. They're comparing, they're interpreting, they're projecting. They're never present. Ego minds are never present. And they're always comparing and seeing what's wrong and what needs to be fixed and, well, they should do it this way. And, you know, somebody should do something about that. That's the ego. Oh, that's just terrible that they allow that to go on. No, that's the ego. The ego's always finding fault. The natural mind is so sweet. It's so simple. It's so childlike. That's the way a child is. A child walks through life. They're not evaluating or judging. But we have to name and label everything. You know, a child walks in a world which it has no idea what it's looking at. It doesn't know that a bird's a bird and a bush is a bush and a flower's a flower or a rose or whatever. It walks in that innocence of simply being present. And there's wonder and delight in that. Now, I'm not saying that we, you know, become that, <laughs> you know, innocent of, of knowing. But the illumined, awakened mind is is not thinking all the time and projecting and evaluating and judging and criticizing 
and blaming and trying to manipulate and control outcome. These are how we keep ourselves in misery when we're trying to manipulate and control and find out what's going to happen so we can make it work out the way we want it. That's the ego. The enlightened person allows life to show up. It allows things to present. It allows things to come and pass through. It doesn't have an agenda. It doesn't have an imperative demand that things suit it and please it and make it happy and make it comfortable. You know, an enlightened person is not self-focused. They're big self-integrated, with a big capital S, self. But they're not personally invested. There's no personal self in an enlightened person. You can't find any personal self that's going to be hurt or take offense. That's all the ego. An enlightened person, there's no place you can hit at them because there's nobody there that could take offense. There's just love. There's just awareness. There's just that clear spaciousness presenting that we call the clear mind. So when the pure Atma Jyoti, the pure light of the Supreme Self, makes its first contact, it's through the Buddhi, the Buddhic body, the creative consciousness, the divine intellect, that part of the mind that can discern the real from the unreal, that can separate illusion from fact, or illusion from truth, absolute truth, not mental facts. That pure awareness It manifests as clear mind. And then it moves down into the different levels of the Antakarana, which we spoke about. The thinking mind, the memory, and the separated sense of self that we call the ego. And then it gets down into the brain and begins to interpret in terms of past experience. So by the time it gets out in the expression, it's covered over with all of this dust, these obscurations that prevent the clear seeing of who you are and what you are forever. To see the Atma, the self, for what it is, the Atma Jyoti, the true self, we have to This member, this attachment that we have to the sense of separate identity and the things that we associate with that identity that we have attachment to, the sense of I and mine. Now, the major blocks to that pure, clear mind, the obscurations of the mind, the things that obscure like dust, you can't see the mirrored surface of the booty, which is like a mirror through which the divine light pours through, becomes covered with dust. The dust of desires. We have one thing and then we get tired of it and we want a bigger thing, a better thing. Somebody else has this and suddenly we want it. Or, you know, there's just endless desire. There's no end to the desires. They keep rising and rising and rising. And that's what makes us filled with the lust to have, to possess, to amass, to accumulate. And then to protect and preserve and keep anybody else from having it. And so there's a tremendous obscuration that covers the clarity of our being with desires, as desire. 
And then you have anger. Anger truly, according to Bob, is the most dangerous ego manifestation because it completely, completely obliterates sanity. An angry person is absolutely out of control and insane. And Baba says it's a demonic quality. It's not even a human quality. So you'll never face a greater demon in yourself than anger. And then you have greed. You know, you have one thing and then you, you want more of that and and you want to hoard it because you don't want to share it with anybody else because the ego always believes it's going to have less if it shares. Whereas in spirituality, in the spiritual awareness, the more you give, the more you have. But the ego sees it just the opposite. And then you have the attachment to whatever it is you think is yours. And then you have the pride. And pride is of eight kinds. There is the pride of money, the pride of erudition or learning, the pride of social status, the pride of affluence, the pride of physical attractiveness, the pride of youth, the pride of your position or your authority, your label, and the pride that we could call spiritual pride, which is probably the worst and most insidious of all, where you have the pride of your spiritual attainment or your spiritual austerities or whatever it is that you feel in some way you're superior to others because of it. And then last but not least, to have envy or jealousy. People who are really sick with envy absolutely can't stand to hear of the prosperity and something that's good that's happened to another person. They can't stand it. And you see, that's like the ultimate ignorance because in highest truth, you are the one self incarnated as everybody. That's your incarnation, whoever it is you see walking around in the world. When you identify with the God self that you are, you awaken as everyone and you should be happy when people succeed because that's you in that form succeeding. And isn't it wonderful that so-and-so is doing such-and-such so that you don't have to do it. They're doing it. (laughs) And that's the aspect of you that's the famous actor or actress or the great explorer or the great, you know, genius or whatever. These are your own incarnations. And so when you awaken to that atmic self that you truly are, you can only enjoy and celebrate the achievement and the excellence of every other aspect of yourself out there doing whatever it is they're doing. You see how that shifts the point of view? And another way to overcome pride is to realize when you look around you, there's always going to be people who are far superior to you in whatever it is you're doing. I mean, you know, that alone should, should, (laughs) hopefully, give us a little bit of humility. But the ego doesn't know anything of humility and it knows nothing of gratitude. So if you want to cancel out the ego, you have to move to humility and gratitude and loving. Because the ego doesn't have any resonance whatever to do with gratitude and appreciation and loving and humility. Just can't go there. So as I often say, every apple on the tree of life has its time to ripen. You can't shout at it. You can't force it. 
You can't do anything with a little green apple, but allow it to ripen in its own timing. And people are just like that. The growth of consciousness must come from within and must come from that person's direct personal experience. You can't force feed spirituality. The best you can do is cultivate an atmosphere that enhances the well-being and the, the maximum exposure that would argument and assist them in their growth. That's particularly important with children. You know, they come in at different soul ages. Sometimes you have a little master there, and sometimes you have a dog that's taken its first incarnation as a human being or some other being, some extraterrestrial, some deva that haven't a clue how to be a human being. So we have all these different variations. We have demons, too. You have subhumans, also, that incarnate. What are they like? Ah. Well, they need to be taught how to be loving and kind and gentle and how to be good. So you have people, you have children, you have entities at all different stages of uh, maturation, which I like to liken as a apple tree with all different stages of ripening taking place. Because life is like that. The galactic tree of life is like that. You have all of these different races, these star nations with all these different kinds of entities. So many different kinds of species of beings. Some of them are millions of years in advancement technologically to us and spiritually to us on Earth. Some of them are technologically advanced, but spiritually immature compared to us. Some are downright demonic and evil. Some of them are like gods, absolutely splendid and evolved beyond our wildest imagining. And you have some worlds where they're pretty much like the earth. Very similar. So you have, again, on the galactic tree of life, all these different species of all these different levels of mental, moral, spiritual, technological development. But the rule is that you attract what you are. What you are is what you get. (laughs) So... If there's people on earth who are greedy and self-serving and power-hungry and want to control and manipulate and build bombs, they'll attract entities that are from the warring planets that are into doing the same thing. So again, who you are and what you are becomes a portal of access to a like consciousness, a similar consciousness. But it all begins with taking conscious responsibility for your life and accepting it as it is and making it work for you. That's what it boils down to. Without the challenges, you're not going to develop any form of spiritual stamina and strength. You must have them. So right now, every little vestige of hidden, petty larceny and deceit and lying, criminal activity, subterfuge, all of it is up and surfacing for the final clearance for this particular cycle. 
So there's a value to every situation and challenge that arises in our lives. Creation and progress here in the psychic and material realms beneath the positive realms of soul and above, the worlds of duality and polarity, require that interaction between the pairs of opposites, the friction. Negative and positive, darkness and light, good and evil, suffering and joy, ignorance and wisdom, all of that is so important for our maturation and self-mastering and developing the power to become responsible, divine, co-creative spirits in the cosmos. Now, in the positive realms of the soul and above into the spirit God realms, the play of opposites no longer applies. It's a whole different thing that comes into play once you've moved into soul awareness. Once you've merged into that Atma Jyoti, you've become the awakened one. Then you're out of that play of duality. You live at a different level. You're in the clear mind. You're in the Buddha nature. You're in the Christ nature. And you create through bliss, through love. So the moments of our greatest duress test and tempt us and call us forward. They call forward and evoke the inner hero that only comes forward in adversity. In adversity alone do we see that self-sacrifice come forward. That greater courage, that selflessness, that fearlessness, those superhuman abilities, the resourcefulness, the creativity, open to new opportunities, new lives, new, new destinies. And out of that, we develop that steadiness of mind, that centeredness, that calmness, that steady faith that total trust, that unwavering intent by keeping that bigger picture in mind, by keeping the humor going. For all of these experiences are for the purification of the mind, the purification and clearing of the dust, the obscurations, so that the Atma Jyoti, the pure self, can shine through that booty a divine intellect, divine mind. Very important. Boy, is humanity going through it now. It's a beautiful thing, really. So consciousness is interesting. When it is associated with the senses, we call it conscious. When associated with the booty or the soul, the intellect, it's called conscience. In Sanskrit, conscience is called antarvani, the inner voice. And it's the inner voice of moral guidance that always lets you know what is the right action for you to take. Because if you take a wrong action, your consciousness hurts. Your conscience is not at peace. So you know you have taken a step that violates your conscience, your antarvani. When consciousness is associated with the Atma, the Supreme Principle, it's called consciousness or awareness. So what prevents clear, pure awareness is self-deception, taking the body to be who you are, taking your labels and your self-definition to be who you are, taking your concepts and your projections to be reality. And that's delusion. 
That's mental and emotional delusion. You're deluding yourself by trying to make what is not as if it were in a negative sense. You're attached to the illusion So those are the things that prevent us from seeing clearly. So those are the things that we must address through meditation, self-inquiry, mantra, and contemplation. We have to study and contemplate what we're studying and apply it in our daily life all the time. You just don't read something and let it go. You see how it applies to your life and you apply it as best you can. You keep practicing. You keep upgrading. And you work to correct your bad habits. How do you know what your bad habits are? Your bad habit is exactly what irritates and irks you in the person that you're mad at. <laughs> we see by projection. When you're in the ego mind, you see by, by pro projection. So the very thing that you're blaming your spouse for is the very thing that you have to heal within yourself. The very thing you hate when you watch the news and watch the, the president or whatever that you dislike in those people that you're watching on the news is the very thing that you need to correct within yourself. You don't like it in that person simply because you have not healed it within yourself. So watch the people that you badmouth, criticize, condemn because you're projecting. So the most important thing is to cultivate devotion and love for God. Do your daily spiritual practice. You must have a spiritual practice, a study, a lineage, something that connects you to reality. And you need to cultivate right relationships with people who are in that practice, in that positive momentum. So you need to do good and be good, to receive good and to see good. If you do good, you will experience good. If you do negative, hurtful things to people, you're going to have people do negative and hurtful things to you. There's a direct cause and, ref uh, cause and effect here. So do your dharma. Do the things that you have said you're going to do. Fulfill your word. Do your duty. Take care of yourself. Take care of the people around you. Help people. Love. Serve. And do it without an agenda. Offer your actions, your day, whatever you do to God. Make it your yoga. Make it your love made manifest. Mind your own business. Take care of your ten acres. Allow people to live the life the way they want to live it. That's not your business. It's God's business to correct through the Holy Spirit. So correct your mind, correct your bad habits. The Dalai Lama was saying the other day when I was listening to him that every day he tries to work on his bad habits, make them less. The Dalai Lama, every day is working to correct his bad habits, to become a better person. So that's our task as well. And that takes study, contemplation, meditation, spiritual application, and self-discipline. You have to discipline yourself. You have to direct your mind. Teach it. 
to stay focused on the truth, which you won't know unless you read the books of enlightened people. So it looks like we've come to the end of our time for this evening. And uh, our topic is experiencing your own natural mind beyond your thoughts, your projections, your concepts, and your labels. And entering into that spaciousness which is absolutely at peace with what is. So let's chant on I hear, and with that we send our love and our blessings to all the beings of all the worlds. May they be happy, may they be peaceful, may they awaken to the divine being that they truly are. Deep breath. Thank grace. Namaste.